So I'll thank, thank you, Anna. Good morning, everyone. How are we doing? Someone over there was doing well. Where, where, where are I? Everyone, everyone doing well? Good. Excellent. I'm just going to move this so I don't trip over it. Although that could add to the comedy factor later. Great. It's good to be at church, isn't it? Good to be together. Um, my name's Paul. Um, I lead the team here at Hastings. And uh, if you are visiting, it's great to have you with us. Um, over, over the next few weeks, or over the next two weeks and last week, we, we're looking at where we're going as a church. And so I hope you're able to engage and uh, pick some stuff up on the way through. But I am aware it's quite, it's quite in-house, but hopefully God will speak to you and uh, bless you anyway as we're looking at this stuff. Just a, a date for your diary. I know uh, Santino's already given you a few dates, but this is one not to be missed. I saved the best dates for myself. Um, three weeks' time, the 11th of July, we've got Jeremy and Ann Simpkins with us on Sunday morning. Jeremy used to be an elder here at the church and he now oversees a few churches up in the northeast and the north and the Midlands and Wales and Canada and some other places as well. And it's great to have him with us here, be preaching the word. But we haven't only got just Jeremy and Anne with us in three weeks' time. We've also got, do any of you remember a family called the Wongs? Yeah, so Simon and Alison and the girls and Beryl is back as well. So Beryl will be the star attraction, so that is the 11th of July. We've also got Praveen and Jennifer from India, so a number of you will have met them um, when they were last over a year ago. And we've got Nigel as well, who will be back, and he'll be updating us a little bit about how things are going in Berlin. And if that isn't enough, we've got England playing in the World Cup final in the, in the evening. <laughs> oh, you of little faith. And at 7 o'clock in the morning, yes, that time does exist on Sunday mornings. At 7 o'clock in the morning, we're going to be having a prayer meeting. We're going to be praying for Nigel and Claire and the family. And that prayer meeting is open to everyone. So in three weeks' time, Sunday the 11th of July, straight after the Brighton Conference, 7am prayer meeting, pop that in your diary. It's not to be missed. God's got good plans for our church. Amen? He has. He's got some good plans. And he's, he's, passionate. he's passionate that his name is glorified. He's passionate that people come to know about him right around the world. He's passionate that we get involved in his plans and his purposes. Last week we looked at the, uh, God's purpose for the church. We realised that churches are called to glorify God. And the best way we can do that is by seeing lives transformed by the power of the Gospel. As you look around the room, all different faces, all different backgrounds, but hundreds of people who have been transformed by the power of the Gospel. That's what glorifies God. Right around the world. It's great to have Simon and Ali back from the States, Nigel from Berlin in Germany. We've got other people who will probably be back from the Middle East as well with us, Dan and Andrew and people like that. It's great. It's great because God has got big plans. But his plans aren't so big that he's missed Hastings. He's got plans for us as well. He's got purposes for our dear town, Bexhill, the surrounding towns and villages as well. Last week we looked at Matthew 28, Luke 10, Matthew 5 
And we then started to get into some of the detail of when we're reading the Bible and we're provoked by what the Bible says, it, it should cause us to look to apply it. And so we looked at what's the application for King's Church Hastings on the back of those three Bible passages. And we saw the importance of our Sunday morning gatherings. As we come together, God does stuff. Do you know that? When we come together, God does stuff. He touches people in the worship. Yeah? As the word of God is preached and it's mixed with faith, do you know, people's lives change. There's a, there's a power. Oh, I haven't got my Bible there. It's, it's back there. It will be coming up in a minute. But there's a power in the word of God when it is preached to change and transform lives. As people prophesy and share words of knowledge and things like that, again, God is looking... The, the, the big God is looking to come and apply to our lives individually. Powerful things happen when we gather together as a church. But we saw as well from those Bible passages that it's not only important that we gather, but it's also important that we disperse, that we go to our communities, that we affect people who don't even know we're here. Most of Hastings doesn't realise that a church like this meets in this building on a Sunday morning. Why don't they know? Because we've not told them yet. And it's important that not only do we gather together and see God's presence and his power here, but actually as we disperse, we go with God's presence and his power to affect those who do not know about him. And we were looking at that, and we were looking at the whole thing of refocusing midweek church life into community groups that will have a strong mission emphasis. So this morning, what I'm going to do, just so you have an idea of where I'm heading, we're going to start in the Bible again, because that's a good place to start, isn't it, church? We're convinced. We start in the Bible. Then we're going to look at detail of community groups, how they're going to work, what's going to, what's going to happen there, and we're going, to fi- we're going to finish by looking at the prophetic. What has God been saying to us over the last 15 months? Is there stuff there that is applicable to where we're looking to go as a church? So that's where we are looking to go. Sorry, and I promise this is a last date for your diary, but this is an important date, or important information. Firstly, if you look in your updates, you'll notice there are no notes for this morning's preach. That's deliberate because I'm I'm going to ask if you can collect them on the way out. There's a yellow handout, collect it on the way out, and that's a full set of notes um, about what I'm sharing this morning with community groups. I'm judging you by my standards because I assumed if I had a set of notes, I'd probably read them. You know, I'd want to go ahead to see what it says at the end. So I thought, best thing is just leave them so you can collect them on the way out and that will remind you um, of things that I've said. And lastly, on on July the 4th, so I know this is a couple of weeks away, 6.30 to 8pm, we're going to have a community group workshop. I don't quite know how it's going to work, but the idea is to take everything I'm talking about now and looking to earth it and apply it and turn it into three pilot groups that are going to run in the autumn term. So if you feel God is stirring you to maybe lead a group, if you feel God is stirring you to be involved in a group, or you just feel God is stirring you want to find out more, July the 4th, 6.30 to 8pm in the Jubilee Room, make sure that that um, date is in your diary. Wow. Okay. Helen, could you make your way to the front? We've entitled this series, We Can Do This, because we can. Is that right? Yeah, that'd be great. Helen's going to read from... Sorry. 
You know, you know, it's over the ego. <laughs> Helen's going to read Luke chapter 15. So if you've got your Bibles, open them to Luke chapter 15, and Helen's going to read from verses 1 to 10. parable of the lost sheep. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering round to hear him, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the laws muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that, they're in, that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or, suppose a woman has ten sil- silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Thanks, Helen. So important as a church, we find out what's on God's God's agenda. Um, And before we open up this passage, let's just pray. Lord... Lord, I thank you that you've given us your word that we would know what's important to you. Lord, I ask you as we, we look at your word this morning, as we unpack practical detail, as we look at the prophetic, would you speak to us, I pray, this morning? I ask you, Lord, would you please anoint me, fill me with your Holy Spirit, help me to communicate effectively. But I pray as well for... Um, faith to rise in our hearts, for a fresh excitement and expectancy for all the things you've got for us here in Hastings. Lord, I thank you that we can do it because it's you who's doing the calling. It's because they're your plans, because it's what you've got on your heart. And I ask you for grace and faith and courage and energy to achieve all the things that you've got for us. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. I I personally find the words in Luke chapter 15 very challenging. Do you find them challenging? The whole concept of leaving 99 sheep, not that I've ever been a shepherd, but leaving 99 to go and find one. It's very provoking, isn't it? Or the thought of, this isn't, this isn't quite so provoking, but it's got the same illustration or picture to it, of you've got the nine coins, and each coin was worth about a day's salary, so they, you know, they're, worth, they're worth something, and the widow had lost a coin. And it says she lights a lamp, she sweeps the house, she carefully searches. And at the end of both these stories, when the lost sheep is found, or, or the lost coin is discovered, there is great rejoicing. There is great rejoicing. And, and it's, it's quite provoking because for me, I think, what about the 99? You know, it's, it's all right going, what, what about the 99? It's important as we look at parables, these, these stories that Jesus told, that we understand that 
As we look at them, we're not supposed to dissect them so that every part of the story has a meaning, but we're looking for the general thrust or the general main point that Jesus is looking to communicate. And with both of these parables, and actually the interesting one, the third parable in this series is the parable of the lost son, or the loving father. So there's three parables all together, and they're all linked. We've only read two. But it's, it's interesting to see that what, what is this main concern? What is the main thing that Jesus wants to communicate to us? And that the main theme in these three parables, or the two we've read, is this. That God has great concern for people who do not know him. God has a great big heart for those who are on the edge of society, those who are outcasts in society. God has a great concern for such people and he takes great delight in saving them. That's the main thrust that Jesus is trying to communicate. He says, the God that we worship, my Father in heaven, he's got a great big heart. He's got a heart for people right to the fringes of society and he delights to see them saved. He delights to see them reached by the power of the gospel. Now the setting in which this story was, um, or, or these parables were taught, was on the back of religious people who were around Jesus but they were muttering and they were complaining because Jesus not only spent time with the outcasts of society but he even ate with them. And they, they were muttering and they were complaining, you know, what, why? Why are you going to them? As far as the sort of these religious people, these Pharisees and scribes felt, it was bad enough that they were sort of there. It was bad enough that, that, that they, were, they were there on, on the edge of society. But, but why would this great teacher want to spend time with them? Why, why would he? Not only did he spend time, he ate with them. He, he showed them recognition and acceptance, which is what happened when he ate with them. He was saying, I recognise you, I accept you just as you are. Have you noticed as well that they, you know, that he says that the sinners and tax collectors, we haven't got any tax collectors here, have we? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've got, we've got plenty of them here, but, uh, but they, they just wanted to be with Jesus. Have you noticed that? So right at the fringes of society, they were just very happy to be with Jesus. Jesus, God has a big heart for those that are lost. But Jesus uses this parable to say to these scribes and Pharisees, you've got it wrong. Your attitude is wrong. You, you shouldn't be looking at disdain, you shouldn't be disapproving because I'm spending time with people like that. You should be rejoicing because they're finding the kingdom of heaven. Because that's what's happening in heaven. That's what's happening in my father's heart. He rejoices every time a sinner repents. Every time. Every time they come and, and, and encounter Jesus and lives are transformed. That's what's happening in heaven. There's great rejoicing. And Jesus wanted to communicate what is on the father's heart. Jesus isn't saying that the 99 aren't important, but I guess they're safe, they're part of the flock. But what he is saying is, my father has a passion for those that aren't yet there. In some ways, it's great, isn't it, that we're here. 
Well, I think it's great that we're here. It's good, isn't it, we're here? It's good that we can worship God, isn't it good? We're able to raise our hands and praise and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But what would be the application for us on the back of that? What about, and it's not one, but what about 70,000, 80,000 that don't know about Jesus? It's great that we've got eternal life. It's great that we know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But what about the ones who don't know yet? What's the Father's heart? What's God's heart for them? J.C. Ryle says this, Christ's love is an active, working love. Just as the shepherd did not sit there bewailing his lost sheep, and the woman did not sit still there bewailing her lost money, so our blessed Lord did not sit in heaven pitying sinners. He left the glory which he had with the Father and humbled himself, to be made in the likeness of man, he came down into the world to seek and save that which is lost. These parables reveal the Father's heart and because we're his people, we're his community, we should be very interested in what is on the Father's heart. Don't you agree? We're, we're Christ's body. 1 Corinthians 12 says that. It says Jesus is the head, we are the body. So what does the body do? The body does what the head says. You know, it's, it's, it's quite simple biology and that's pretty much the extent of my biology. But we're his body. We're his church. What's, what's important to the Father? What comes through in these parables? Let me read some other words to you. These are very provoking words. These were written by a, call, a guy called Paul the Apostle Paul, and this reveals his passion for those that don't yet know Christ Jesus. He says this, Though I am free and belong to no man, so this is 1 Corinthians 9 verse 19, Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Just catch his heart, catch his passion in this. To to the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak, to to win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means, I I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings." Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Can you see Paul's vigour and his determination? Can you, can you get his energy? I'm, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going to, I'm pretty much, as, as long as it's not unrighteous, you know, as long, as long as it's not wrong or sinful, I'm going to pretty much do whatever I can to communicate the gospel in a way that people can understand and they can come to know Jesus Christ. Because there is power in the gospel to change lives. I I will throw off things that I once held dear if it helps me communicate the gospel more effectively. And we find exactly the same with Jesus. And that's what he's looking to communicate with his disciples and with others. He says, look, this is great. It's great to communicate to those who don't know Jesus. We've got to make this a priority. This is important. Even if there's only one person in Hastings that didn't know the gospel, we've got to go for the one. 
this is important. This is, this is on God's heart. This is on his agenda. And as a church, we need to push this up our agenda as well. It's not that we haven't been doing it. Last week, we had our reach week. We've been dropping flies through the door of Little Ridge. We were down in the park. Many of you have been doing many things. Why? To reach out. It's not we're not doing it. We've just got to push it up the agenda of the church. We looked at Matthew 28, um, Matthew 5, other verses in the Bible. Why? To find out what is God saying, what's like, and it's throughout the Bible. Go and tell people about Jesus. It's why we're here. It's what we're for. It's to communicate the good news about Jesus Christ. Even in the incarnation of Christ. So Jesus, or God becoming man, we see God on a mission. We see God becoming like us. Why? To get us. Anyone got a holier word than get us? Save us. He came, didn't Why? To save us. We, we see that. Jesus, God, coming in a manger in Bethlehem. Why? Because God's got a mission to save mankind from their sin. We need to increasingly get involved in what is on God's heart. Let's have a look at some of the practicalities of community groups. Now, if you weren't here last week, you may struggle a bit to keep up. Um, and all I could say really is uh, download it off the website and, and it will fill in some of the gaps for you. But I just want to communicate a little bit about community groups and where we're looking to go. And then I want to look at what has God been saying to us prophetically because I think as we tie some of these things together, what does the Word of God say? What are we looking to practically do? What, what is God saying to us prophetically? As we look to tie these things together, you'll see, hopefully, that there is a thread there. You'll see um, we're moving in the right direction. So community groups, what will they look like? How will they work? Well, I've already touched on it a little bit, but just to emphasise a few things. Community groups, this is what we're going to do midweek in the church. So at the moment we've got a mixture of small group life, meeting in homes, and we've got clusters where small groups meet together. They're good. They're very good. But we need to bring a fresh emphasis. So what we're looking to do is to introduce community groups. They will be groups that meet midweek, throughout the week, that will have a clear mission focus. They will have an outward focus to what they're doing. They will be slightly bigger or they will be bigger than the present small groups that are probably up to about 12 to 15 in size. Um, community groups will probably go up to about um, anything between 25 and 50 adult members. There's going to be more of us meeting together. They're going to be led by you. Teams with passion, what you've got on your heart, people you've got given, God has given you to reach, they will be led by you, not, not by salaried people. And we'll be looking to bring the gospel to the lost and poor in diverse and creative ways. What we're going to do now is go through seven things to do with community groups that I hope helps you. So the first one. Oh, I can't read it, I better look at the notes. Why the name? Why have we called them community groups? Because we're focused on reaching communities that don't yet know about Jesus Christ, but we're also very keen to build community. And so these groups will build community in themselves and they'll be looking to reach communities as well with the Gospel. And in a sense, um, they will be very varied and, and they, they, they will be very different. All the groups, there won't be like a common thread in that. They will be very um, uh, varied 
depending on who they're looking to reach. These groups will meet in venues across the town, chosen to reflect those they are attempting to reach. Last week I I mentioned the example of um, students. Do you remember I mentioned students last week? There was no point of trying to to reach students before three in the afternoon, because they're not out of bed. But, But if you then multiply that out... Different people that you may have a heart to reach. Again, I, I don't think you would look to reach students up at this building here because there aren't many students about, but you might meet in the town centre where the new college is, the university centre. You may meet there. It's amazing how your mind suddenly goes blank, isn't it? Just when you've got millions of ideas and suggestions that can flow out and it suddenly goes... You may feel there may be community groups to meet a particular geographical part of our town. Maybe or Village. Or Hollington. Or the Little Ridge Estate. And again, you choose venues to reflect who you're trying to meet. It might be you want to meet a, reach a certain segment of the community. Maybe seniors. Or slightly older people in the town. I guess, I guess again, depending on who you're looking to reach, it depends on the event you're looking to put on. You may want to reach overseas students and and have a particular focus that way. Up at St Andrew's Chorleywood, they had community groups that reached um, the the deaf in the community. So it's quite varied, the things that can be done, but at its core of it is, who are we looking to reach? Who is it we're attempting to reach out to? Community groups will become the predominant group for midweek church life, And I've already mentioned what the size will be. Small groups or home groups are still important. So I imagine even once community groups are launched, home groups will occur, but they will come out of community groups. In a sense, the the team leading the community group will set when home groups meet and when you gather together. It's set by them. As I've mentioned already, community groups will be mission-shaped. Who are we looking to reach? Discipleship, worship, preaching, teaching, prayer, fellowship, they all remain very important in the church. We're not sort of saying, oh, none of this stuff is important now. What we're saying is we're moving mission up the agenda. We're pushing it up the agenda. Those things will all occur. I find that I pray the most when I feel most at need. And so if I'm looking to reach out and I'm a bit fearful about it, my prayer life takes on a whole new energy. The use of spiritual gifts, whether it's uh, gathering together as a community group or as we're going out, again, I think will take on a whole new uh, thing. Worship. God, I'm going to worship the living God. Oh Lord, please be with us as we worship and as we go out. What community groups do? At times there will be seasons in community group life when we will be praying growing in the word, worshipping, but it's always because we're looking to reach. It's, all, it's always because of the end goal of who, what we're trying to achieve. Creativity and ownership comes from you guys. Um, myself and Matt, we're looking to facilitate and support what God places on your heart. That's a bit of a change. So, we're not going to be asking you to lead groups to reach certain people. 
we're asking God to speak to you and place people on your heart that you feel you want to reach. We want to facilitate, assist and help you reach out, but it, it doesn't start with us, it starts with you, because the Bible says that the church is the body of Christ, that we are to equip the church. Part of mine and Matt's role is to equip the saints for works of service, to reach out. Community groups will be team-led. I would imagine when you get to sort of 40 or so people, that's quite, well, I know, I don't imagine, I know. It's a lot of people, and so we'll be looking for teams to lead them. And the start of community groups will be a core team of about six to eight people who shape the purpose and the direction. I know there are are many, many good small groups presently in the church. And you may be a bit concerned, what's going to happen? I've got some really dear friends. I don't want to lose them. I don't want to miss out on my time with them. Well, existing small groups will continue to meet through the autumn term. Although some members of existing small groups may join pilot groups that we're looking to launch in in the autumn. We're looking to launch three pilot groups and some people may may join from that. So it will have a knock-on effect with the existing small group life. But once we get round to Christmas, we're going to pilot groups for about three, four months. Once we've got round to Christmas, we're then going to see how they go, learn from the mistakes that we make, and I'm sure we're going to make some, and then we're going to look to expand it and create more community groups that can reach out. You may be in a small group at the moment that is being stirred by God. You feel you're being stirred by God to maybe get involved in this as a group. And you say, well, what do I do if I feel that? I'd say, just keep praying. And then come and talk to one of the leadership team about it. Come on July the 4th, hear some more stuff and we can sort of see how it grows and where it comes from or where it goes to, ends up at the end. We hope to pilot, and I've I've touched on this last week, mentioned it already, but I'll just say it again. We're hoping to pilot three community groups in the autumn term. And I think it's important to hear that. We've never been this way before. And so we thought the best way to do it was to look to launch three groups and see how it goes. Learn from our mistakes, get better at what we're doing it, and then once we get through maybe the first few months of it, we'll look to expand it and replicate it in different settings. But as we move on, we're obviously looking to take each step very prayerfully. We're looking to do the very best we can for God's glory and for the health of the church. Now I know I've covered lots of detail here, but I think it's important that that we all get the chance to hear it, and that you understand where we're planning to go. I'd also say, if it's about as clear as mud now, do make sure you get a flyer on the way out, read it, spend some time, we're going to share more information about it next week as well, But we get, and as as I share a bit in a minute about the prophetic that we feel God's saying, you're going to see how we feel God is very much in what we're looking to do. We've been on this journey for about 12 months. This isn't something we thought about, oh, two weeks ago and we thought, well, now we're going to do it. We've been on this journey for about 12 months. 
We've chatted to overseers in the autumn term, so that's about six months ago. We've chatted with a wider leadership team and we've been sharing it with small group leaders more recently. And so it's a journey that we're on and we're listening and we're hearing and we're looking to take each step as effectively as we can. What, what prophetic encouragement have we had to do this? It was interesting what Mark Stibby said last week, wasn't it? Were any of you here last week? Did you say something along the lines of the harvest is ready? It's harvest time. And different things that he shared, which very much tied in with what I shared in the morning and what I shared today, we booked Mark Stibby a, a year ago. So although it looked like a setup, and some of you more sceptically minded thought, Paul set this up, just, you know, get a bit of a heavyweight to come in on the back of it. I did a little bit, but, but it was a year ago, and the way the dates have fallen, we didn't t- t- let me guarantee we had no idea we were going to be talking about this a year ago, I can assure you. Things that came out. Back in February 2009, so this is 15 months ago, Guy Miller came to us. He's a guy that oversees quite a number of churches in New Frontiers and he shared a word at the start of his preach that we felt as an eldership, as a leadership, was a very powerful word. We just didn't know quite what to do with it. Do any of you remember that? Now, I know I'm testing your brains. Some of you might remember some of it. And there's a, fe- there's a full script of what he said. You can collect it from the information table at the end if you want. But let me just share some of the things that he said. And the words will come up behind me. I want to reshape this church and realign this church in a new formation. And this is a year when I believe that God would say the way you fought in the past and where you have fought in the past will now change. I believe that God wants to say to you, you're going to get smaller as well as bigger. This is only excerpts from it, so there's then a gap. Then he said this, I want to speak to you very specifically. I don't want you to fire arrows randomly this year. I want you to know an anointing on your church that you've never known before in the whole area of evangelism. I want to pinpoint you areas that I want to see my kingdom massively advancing. And I'm looking today for faith. I'm looking for men and women, young people as well in this church, who are going to be laying hold of my kingdom forcibly. Grabbing hold of weapons they feel are almost too heavy for them because I am on them and my spirit is going to own them and their ministry much in the same way as the spirit of the Lord came upon a young shepherd boy, David, and took him to take down Goliath. There was then some more things that he said. Then he went on and said this, I want, to lay, I want you to lay hold of an anointing. As I saw the bows and arrows being taken today, I saw God coming and putting fire on each of these arrows. I feel God would say there's an evangelistic anointing you as a church need to receive from God. God would say organise your diary around the lost. Don't allow the lost to be a side thing in this church. Let it be at the core of your church because the crowds are coming. There are many people who will come and find life in this place 
I haven't given you this building to frustrate you. I haven't given you this building for you to look back and wonder what God is doing. Now, we prophesy in part. We, we don't take this like we take the Bible. So it's fallible, it can be flawed. A man has spoken it, but he brought to us 15 months ago what he felt God wanted to communicate to us as a church and now word. Now even in that prophecy it mentioned this year, well that was 2009, now we're 2010. Yet when I read, read this prophecy, and it was only a few weeks ago Matt highlighted it to me again, I saw an awful lot of overlap between what God was saying then and the sorts of things we're looking to do now. We haven't looked to build the church around this prophecy. We've just found that we've got to this point in time. We're thinking, wow, the similarities. the things that, that encourage us. Reshaping our diaries around the lost. Not allowing the lost to be a side thing in the church. Wanting to reshape this church, realign this church with a new formation. If any of you have been around for any length of time, you know that's pretty much what we're doing. What happens midweek in the church is a new formation. It is realigning. There have been other prophecies over the start of the year, again, where God has been speaking to us about this, about mission, about reaching out, about new formations. We very much feel God is in this, speaking to us at this season about the things we're looking to do. We feel as well from the Word of God that there is a clear emphasis in the Word of God towards reaching out and mission. And again, not we haven't been doing it, but we need to push it, push it up the agenda of what we're doing. We feel as a leadership a sense of faith in what God is calling us to do. We're a bit fearful about it as well. But we believe God is very much in this. That God has plans for us as a church to do us good and to prosper us. And I can't remember who it was that said it, but he said something along the lines of, if you want to see things you've never seen before, you need to do things you've never done before. And in a sense, what we're looking to do with midweek church life is change the emphasis in order to see things we haven't seen before. Not widely, anyway. I think this is a big time for us as a church. I'd like to ask you to stand now. If I can invite the band back up, please. This morning we, we've seen clearly, we've seen clearly God has a passion, God has a heart for the lost sheep, the lost coin. the ones who aren't here yet. These parables don't tell us anything about God's heart for us. They're about communicating about God's heart for those out there. We know what God thinks about us, don't we? His love, his passion, his zeal, his favour upon us. But God has a passion as well for those who do not yet know him. Last week I mentioned Acts chapter 8 verse 4 and I I mentioned about how after a great persecution the church in Jerusalem was scattered and wherever they went they preached the gospel. What I didn't mention was Acts chapter 1 verse 8 
And these were Jesus' words to the early church. He said this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I believe we can have a bigger effect on this town and the surrounding communities. Not, not because of us, although we are great. Do you know what I mean? You're a great bunch of people, but because of God and his purposes and plans and power. In that prophecy, it spoke about a fresh anointing on us as a church that you've never known before in the whole area of evangelism. If we purely change structure and diaries, but don't know a fresh sense of God's anointing and empowering, we won't do very well. We need his anointing. We need fresh filling with the Holy Spirit. We need a fresh boldness and power from him. And so we're going to sing a song in a moment that really just calls out and says, God, would you fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit? Would you give us a fresh boldness and empowering? Lord, would you be with us in all the things that you're calling us to do? With the families you're looking for us to impact, the neighbourhoods you're looking for us to change. Let's just raise our hands. Lord, we love you. Lord, I thank you that we're only here because you've got a passion for the lost. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you please come and fill us afresh this morning. Lord, in this whole area, Lord, I feel so weak. Lord, naturally, Lord, it's not an area, Lord, it's not a thing that I would, would want to focus on. And I know for, for many, many of us, that's how we would all feel. It's sort of a bit of trepidation and fear that we stand here. And yet I pray, Holy Spirit, would you please come and fill us right now. I pray, Lord, would you give us fresh anointing, fresh power to go and affect those that don't yet know you. I pray, would you give us fresh heart, fresh zeal to reach out, to be effective in these areas. Lord, we look to you. Lord, we cry out to you and say, would you come? Would you come? Fresh anointing, we pray. Fresh empowering of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Lord, we're looking just to follow you each step of the way. Lord, we don't have it all tied up at the end, but Lord God, we're looking to follow you and I pray, would you fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit, we ask. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's make this a prayer to him.